0: Welcome into the Breeze with DP and Haas on 937 the ticket and the
1: All right, welcome back in to Ticket Weekends. I'm Harrison Arns on the Ones and Twos. This is the Breeze. We got the host as always, Haas, Tabrizi in here, screaming with us. No DP today because we got the Supernovas in less than an hour away, at least for the pregame show. Uh, it actually won't start until two o'clock Central Time, but they got the Orlando Valkyries, so that's why there's no DP today, as he's obviously on his way to the arena, getting set up. But nonetheless, Haas, the host as always, how's it going today?
0: Great, happy Sunday. How you doing?
1: Doing great. It's uh, it's beautiful out here in Lincoln. I'm not sure what it's like for you, but we've had a little bit of early what feels like spring. I'm going to knock on wood right now because there's a second winter usually coming around late February, early March. But it's beautiful. I think it's going to get like 65, 67 degrees today. So, yeah, I'm, I'm doing great. And we got Husker Hoops at 530.
0: Yeah, I heard the word March, and hearing the word March is always beautiful because <laughs> yes. March Madness is around the corner. And the way the men's basketball team's playing this year... Nebraska basketball usually is supposed to be in last place, second to last place, two, three wins in the Big Ten, maybe, maybe 500 is, is a really good year. They can go 12 and eight in conference, 12 and eight, maybe even 13 and seven. So let, let, let's talk about that for a minute. So there's four, four games left. Two are at home, which to me means automatic lock, regardless of who they're playing. Yep. Why? Because whoever they've played, other than Creighton, including Purdue, including Wisconsin, you can just name all the teams in the Big Ten, they've beaten at home. So other than Creighton, 16-1 and one at home. So I think it's Rutgers and Minnesota at home. Yep, There should be two wins right there. So then now you're left with the two worst teams in the Big Ten, Ohio State, who got rid of their coach, but they have had a good win. The first, first game they played after they got rid of a coach, it was over Purdue, was it? Yep. <laughs> yeah, okay. So it's not a gimme. At Ohio State, they beat they beat one of the best teams in the country at home. So that that might be a loss. And then Michigan, they've been in turmoil all year. So hopefully that's a win. So at worst, I think three and one for the last four games. So if that's the case, can they be a top four seed? Can they be a top four seed in the Big Ten tournament? Then you go and look at Northwestern, who do they have left to play? They have three hard games. So if they lose three, Nebraska's in the top four.
1: Yeah. Nebraska's right in the mix of it all. And I think you're right. If they could somehow work into that top group, get the double buy for that Big Ten tournament, that's that's massive. Then you don't have to be sitting there sweating it out if, say, these last four games here, you have a couple that go awry, in particular. You know, if you if you lose to Rutgers again um, at home, that's that's going to be a real killer because your home record's been perfect. Obviously, the road games are not going to judge you as harder, but you do only have one conference road win so far. So if you can notch up, you know, Minnesota and Ohio State, and then pick Michigan or Rutgers, either of the two, you'd probably be sitting in there with that double bye. You mentioned it; Northwestern doesn't have the easiest schedule. In one thing, when you do look a lot of these Big Ten teams right now, what do you want to be when you're heading into March? you want to be playing your best basketball. That means first, second half, consistent, good basketball. Even though you know, you're know you still looking at teams as Purdue, Illinois, Wisconsin, those guys have not been playing their best basketball down the stretch here. So it does kind of open up the door for Nebraska to try to make some waves. Minnesota earlier in the year looked like it was going to be an ugly loss. Minnesota's not a bad team. So this is actually not going to be – if you win this game, uh, it's not going to say nothing on your resume. It actually should be a decent win and, of course, you wouldn't get swept by Minnesota, and then you mentioned it. You still have to go to Ohio State on the road. Um, if you can bag another road game, that should surely shoot you up Ken Palm net rankings. And then you get Rutgers, and then you finish up with Michigan. I mean, you kind of thought Michigan's just in turmoil. I understand they got a win on Wisconsin not too long ago, but that was shortly after Nebraska kind of put Wisconsin in their own tailspin, uh, and it was kind of a perfect storm. But I, I think Jawan Howard experiment over at Michigan's not going great. So you take care of that one. And this team, sitting at about 10 right now in most bracketology, if you're looking at those, sitting about that 10-9 spot, this is totally, you control your destiny. If you want to be in March Madness, you can decide it right for yourself um, and even really set yourself up for a great seed if you can somehow get a double bye in that Big Ten tournament.
0: Yes, yeah, so that's the hardest thing for me. I, I don't know what I'm missing, but if Nebraska has 24-25 wins going into the NCAA tournament, and is significantly above 500, not just 500, but significantly above 500. Why aren't they a six seed? Why aren't they a five seed? It's the history.
1: It's got to be the history. And I will say this earlier in the year, non-con schedule, probably the weakest in the big 10, if not towards the bottom. Um, And then conference schedule, we're not elite there either. We're just about average, but it's the non-con early on that got Nebraska to that undefeated start. And then on top of it, the road wins. We we were not even really, we're still flirting with the NIT until we're able to get a road win uh, finally against Penn State. But up until that point, Nebraska was still just kind of teetering despite the record. So I think part of it's A, if you don't have the history, that actually does seem to factor in, even though it's not really mentioned anywhere. You look at some of these teams that happen to get in. Some of that's based on previous years, or at least it feels like it. And Nebraska just doesn't have anything to point to. You kind of look at that 08 year Nebraska probably should have got in. There's no history. They don't get in anyways. So this, to me, just feels like you weren't winning road games, but you finally did get one, and now all of a sudden you shoot in there uh, as a 10-9 seed tournament, but you still got to probably get one more. Uh, you just you got to win, I'd say, at least two out of these next four. Three out of the next four, you're going to lock yourself in, and possibly the double buy for the Big Ten. Let's
0: see. I have them winning four of the next five games at least. I think they can go further. So with that, that means they will be 18 and one at home. They will be three and eight on the road. They will be 24 and nine, and a top four team in probably the best conference. Right, right now looking looking at the standings. The hottest team in the conference is Nebraska with a three-game winning streak. Yeah. Other than Purdue, everyone is a loser under 500 on the road. Illinois is four and five. Northwestern's three and six. Wisconsin's three and seven. Nebraska's two and seven. Michigan State's three and five. Michigan State to start the year they look so bad, and then they they've really come around in the Big Ten. Minnesota's two and five. Then we have three and eight, two and six, three and seven, two and six. So. Everyone is bad on the road. Ohio State 0 for 8.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Are they good enough to beat Purdue?
0: (laughs) But since that game was at home, they're 11 and 4 at home. So the point is, with all these teams in the Big Ten, and there's going to be even more next year, if you are above 500, you should be a lock for making the NCAA tournament, which we talked about, I would say, in November. If you are a couple games over 500, and you beat a couple top-ranked teams, no question, no question, you're one of the 30 best teams in the country. So you, you need to really watch these games. You need to see how they play. And then you need to look at the results. So these advanced stats, these pom and dom whatever numbers you <laughs> want to call, they don't matter. That doesn't matter! They beat the better teams. They should be in the top 20. That's it.
1: Say say this happens. Say they beat Minnesota today, Ohio State, Rutgers, Michigan. Last four games of the schedule. Say they win them all. Does Nebraska have a number one through twenty-five next to their name to finish out in the AP poll? Does, better. Right. I, that, that's one thing that surprised me. This team hasn't even gotten a vote, which kind of blows my mind. You see, I'm not saying they should be ranked, uh, but earlier in the year when you see teams like Northwestern get a vote in the AP poll for Nebraska. To not even be getting votes right now. Is why I do think that history has something to play with it. Because there's no reason that this team uh, doesn't even get a single vote. But if you take care of business, there is an element of you control your destiny. The football team earlier, well I shouldn't say earlier in the year. Late in the football season, the football team had that same opportunity. They controlled their destiny. They had four games left. Do you want to go bowling? Something that this program hasn't done for how many years? 2016 would have been the last year. The last Power 5 school to do it. Nebraska basketball, you're the only Power 5 team that has not won a March Madness game. You control your destiny. There is part of that pressure to this team. Uh, Do you worry at all about this team kind of cracking under the pressure, or are you trusting that right now they're kind of playing their best basketball, and I don't see this slowing
0: down? Not at all. How young are they? Well, you're going to have most of the guys
1: coming back, too, so they're even younger than probably most people would think.
0: Okay, but my point is, is the team composed of all freshmen? No. Okay. So they've been there before. They've been through hard games. The Illinois game where they lost in overtime, that's still a really good game for them. Mm-hmm. It, it builds the character. It figures out what who they are. They won three in a row after it. So what little things did we miss in the Illinois game? Was it a box out? Was it a missed layup? Was it a missed three? Was it a missed free throw? Those things matter. It's what you do after you fail, quote unquote, that shows who you really are. And so... To have those things on the resume, two, two huge wins, and then a very close at Illinois when Nebraska doesn't win on the road, that to me shows how strong Nebraska's gotten. And I said Northwestern has a tough schedule. Wisconsin's last four at Indiana. So again, on the road is hard in the beginning. Yep. Hosting Illinois, hosting the Rutgers at Purdue. So <laughs> two and two is a possibility. One and three is a possibility. They're only one game up on Nebraska.
1: Yeah, and they're not playing great basketball as of late. Their, their season's been very up and down. So it would be one of those things where I would not be surprised if Wisconsin goes 1-3. and three. And that's just kind of looking at the Big Ten here. Unfortunately, I'm not feeling very strong about any of the Big Ten teams right now. I might be biased, but it does feel like Nebraska is the team that if you had to take a pick who's going to make the biggest push in March Madness outside of probably Purdue, you might be looking at Nebraska. Looking at these Big big Ten teams right now, Haas, and you can obviously throw Nebraska in the mix if you were to start the tournament today. You're looking at Michigan State, you're looking at Wisconsin, you're looking at Illinois, and you're looking at Purdue. Maybe Northwestern squeaks in there. That's kind of the one on the fringe. Do you feel good about any of those teams actually making a good push into the March Madness tournament. For Purdue, it's obviously got to be, you got to win at least three games, I think, for anyone. And even then, it still might be looked at as a failure just because of all the shortcomings in the past.
0: Yeah, so we talked about that earlier on in the year. Big 10 doesn't really show up in the NCAA tournament. And why is that? And maybe it's a style of play. Maybe it's the bruiser style of play. Maybe it's the in-the-trenches style of play. Mm-hmm. If we're making a football reference. But Nebraska shoots... Nebraska, Nebraska is more than just a physical team. They play defense, they shoot, they, they, they're multifaceted. They don't turn the ball over. So those are things you need. And, and I believe you need experience. So if you take all those things that makes you a stronger team in the tournament, Purdue is a little bit more experienced now, and they have the shooting and they have the inside presence. So Purdue should maybe finally represent in the final four. Who knows? They might get knocked out in the first round again. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see.
1: Yeah, it's um, it's one of those. And you know what? As we're kind of doing this, as we're looking at some of the teams, because I'm just, I'm not sold on Purdue. They scare me. It just, it really does. If Zach Eady isn't having one of his better games, they just lose. That's been the only time they lose games is because Zach Eady isn't really having a phenomenal game. There might have been one in there uh, where Zach Eady played you know, still good and they lost. But for the most part, the only times they lose a game is because Zach Eady isn't having that player of the year type of performance. So when you're looking at these just one season right now, as it sits, the true one um, is obviously going to be sitting there in Houston, and then you're going to go to Purdue, and then North Carolina, possibly fighting in there for one. Uh, But yes, UConn in there as well. They're number four in the net rankings today. Arizona is actually number three in the net rankings today, but... Let's just give these teams right here. UConn, Purdue, Houston, Arizona. I'd even throw Kansas in there because I don't want to leave them out of the mix. And we'll throw an SEC in there. Tennessee as well. Those are kind of, you're hovering in that one spot. Who do you feel good about this year heading into the March Madness?
0: I wouldn't say North Carolina. though. I I do like Baycott, but I wouldn't say North Carolina. Arizona with their old North Carolina player, Love. They, they look good. Yeah. They, I'm trying to remember they had a really close game. Maybe it was, uh, what, what small school that's been ranked for a while, almost beat Arizona. I got to remember who that is, but it was early in the year. I'm like, why, why is the team that, that did so well, uh, in the NCAA tournament, Washington state, my mind was it Washington. Um, okay. Small school, Florida Atlantic. Oh, Florida yes. Atlantic, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I need, we need to look up what happened with Florida Atlantic versus Arizona. I think it was a close game. Yeah, I'm, I'm pulling it up right now. Go ahead and give your point. So, Arizona is a great team. They, If you have guard play, if you have experience, you're going to be a great team. Uh, Houston, they're in the Big 12. They're athletic. They've done a lot. 15-0 at home. 24-3. It, it's wide open. It's wide open. It's not, it's not like the... Hey, this has been the one seed the whole year. They're going to win the tournament, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, March Madness is going to be as it is March Madness.
1: Yeah. And uh, it was FAU and it was a 95 to 96 loss. The number four t- at the time, Arizona to Falls uh, to Florida Atlantic. So, again.
0: So, they did lose to them. Okay. Yeah. yeah I lost, they lost. I lost that game. Yeah. Yeah. It was a crazy game. Yeah. And then
1: they obviously rebounded right after and started dominating. But, Again, this is just kind of that year it's been. I think for college basketball, where it feels like the level of talent's getting so good, I don't feel safe about anyone. I thought it was UConn, and then Creighton just destroyed them. The game was—it wasn't even close at the soon as second half started. You weren't feeling good about them coming back, um, and then obviously it's just kind of been if you're in that top ten, you haven't felt great at all. You're seeing top ten ranked opponents lose every single week. No one's been able to really continue their winning streak the Winning on the road, we talk about it like it's a Big Ten thing because it is certainly a Big Ten thing, but it's a conference problem. <laughs> like you look at all these major conferences, everyone's really struggling to win on the road. So I don't know if that's just the level of talents getting that much better, and it's just hostile environments where it's becoming incredibly difficult to win on the road. But you look through these top teams, and there really isn't a single one I feel good about. Um, I'm still probably going to ride with UConn because I think they're. I think Creighton just played incredible defense. That looked like just a tough fit where they had a really tough time trying to figure out Cockbrenner on Creighton. At least UConn did. So I'm probably going to still roll with them, but definitely not looking at Purdue just because we've seen them ebb and flow in years past. I'm going to be looking at maybe one team that I'd throw out there, SEC team, Tennessee. They've been playing some really good basketball, and that's a team that was talked about a little bit on early, and now they're really picking up steam again. Tennessee out of the SEC because I'm not that high on Alabama. I don't think it's going to be Alabama representing them. If any SEC team were to represent in the Final Four, I do think it's going to be Tennessee this year. Or do you like Alabama? Because I think you were high on Alabama, weren't you? No, it wasn't me. Okay. Who do you me. who do you like out of the SEC? Then are you rolling with Tennessee as well?
0: I mean, Tennessee, Alabama, Auburn—they're all—they're all up there. Mm. They're all up there. I, I don't. I don't think someone's going to win from the SEC. I mean, UConn can repeat. I know you don't think so with how they lost to Creighton. You need losses like that to just piss, make you upset and come back. I don't know if I can say the word I was going to say. No, you did. You're good. You're good. You can say that. Yeah. <laughs> I heard it. You get pissed off to show who you are. So the uh, ability to, to get upset and, and you want lo- – it's very hard to go 34-0 and then – Losing the championship game because you don't know what it's like to face adversity. So I understand that they're 25 and three, but losses during the regular season don't matter. It just builds character and shows what you need to work on as a coach.
1: Yeah. As long as you get into the tournament. I mean, obviously they matter in Nebraska's case, if you stack up too many, uh, but as it sits right now, you're feeling pretty good. What about Creighton? Since we are in Nebraska and we're not Creighton fans here, but it does kind of feel like this might be the year for Creighton basketball to make a serious march into the tournament. And then it's, you know, I'm not a J-Scooter, but to have two Nebraska schools, even if Nebraska could just win one game, that'd be, that'd be something else. You could have two schools in the state of Nebraska, not necessarily Hoop Central out here in the Midwest, make some sort of march. And Creighton, I do think this is a year where Creighton legitimately has a shot to make the final four, maybe even the championship game. Their three point shooting is incredible. Kalkbrenner looks like he's picked up right where he left off as a Big East Defender of the Year in their makeup of guys like Baylor Sharman that can just stroke the ball. A bunch of elite playmakers. They don't necessarily have to play through one guy or hope he has the clicking that day. Kind of like Nebraska where there's multiple weapons and you can't just count out one guy. Uh, The biggest guy you'd attack is Kalkbrenner and that's really about it. they got plenty of other offensive weapons they can really kill you with. This might be the year for Creighton. As much as it pains me to say, I think I, I might actually be putting Creighton in my Final Four.
0: So if you look at net rankings, which is what you're talking about, the Mm. things that stick out are how did you do against the really good teams? Okay, so that's one. But then did you have any bad losses? So if you look at Creighton, they were six and four against quad one teams, six and three against quad two quad two teams, and then one and oh and seven and oh against quad three and four. So seems decent. You have seven losses, which is the most for pretty much the top. 12, top yeah. 13, top 14. And you teams. said
1: it, it's those quad two losses that really hurt him.
0: Right. So those stick out because they have by far the most quad two losses. Mm-hmm. So unless they win the big East tournament, I don't see them getting a two seed. So it's going to be harder. A two and a three is pretty similar in, in, in March Madness. The the difference is the playing a six seed is a little bit harder. It just is. Mm-hmm. It's not the curse. It's not the 512 curse, but three versus six versus two versus seven or ten two versus seven or ten is usually a little bit easier it's just it is what it is so yeah. being a two seed matters two seeds make the tournament a lot make the final four a lot easier than than threes do i'm used to seeing ones and eights Yeah. Now, eights. the reason why ones and eights make it it's because once you beat a one then you're you are the one yep so then you have an easier bracket because you have the four or the or the 12. Mm-hmm. Usually there's a double digit team on the four, five, 12, 13 side. So if you're an eight or nine, I'm sorry if I'm confusing people, but the reason why you make it to the final four is you, you have to play a double digit team, uh, most likely 12, 13, and then you have an easier two versus three matchup and you go and win that and you make the tournament, the final four. So.
1: Yeah it's one of those things where I think mean, you see it all the time. I think it's, I think it's the 13 four matchup tends to be one of the most upsetted for whatever reason. So again, uh, 512, but 512. Yep. But those two right there, any of those kind of, uh, where you get into those tweeners, but I will say one more school I want to talk about before we had to break here. Duke just had an ugly loss to wake forest. Do you got any hope for Duke making a run here? Cause I actually thought Duke was starting to pick up steam. And then here they come with an ugly loss uh, to Wake Forest and Wake Forest not a terrible team but certainly not a great team a team that Duke should have taken care of um, and it did well, co- come down to the net stretch
0: have them as 25th so Wake Forest yeah they jumped up to 25 from 27 they're 15 and 0 at home okay so it's not that bad of a loss so people need to realize that if a team is really good at home and you lose on the road it's really hard to win games on the road in, in big conferences so that's one the crap that happened to Flip by getting injured by the fans looked intentional. You and DP were giving me crap when I said that shouldn't have happened to K- Caitlin Clark. And you guys are like, she flopped and this and that. Fans should not run into players. Players should be able to leave the court. And schools need to be able to control that. So to have an injury, I don't know how, how long flips hurt, but if it's a more than one day injury, that's not okay.
1: Yeah. I mean, here's my pushback on, on that though, that you can't get rid of court storming. Why it's, it's sports. How hard is it to have someone where if the game's close that someone on your roster knows, or you've go and find this person that, Hey, when the game's getting over, we all kind of get to wherever the tunnels that someone be there. To kind of organize it, no, no one's gonna clear the way for, for the players. Like it's, it's not gonna happen that way. It's storming the court. I know things can get happen. Someone can get hurt. I can get hit by a car when I'm walking to my car when I leave the show today. But the reality of how often that happens is not enough to take the fun out of the whole thing. It's storming the court. What happened to Caitlin Clark? They weren't spearing at Caitlin Clark. I'm gonna try to run into her. Yeah, it was a. It was a messy fall, flopping or not, whatever. There was a hit. There was contact. But that wasn't headhunting. I'm going to try to hurt this player. When students are sitting at the game and they want to storm the court, they're not thinking, man, I, I can't wait to storm the court so I can run right into Zach Eadie's chest. No. like that's To freak out to this level to where we need to all have a big panic attack and outrule storming the court, just get some better organization and then have someone on that staff who's aware when the game gets towards the end, you go and grab the players, coaches, whoever it may be, and you get to the locker room. People, this has always happened. We haven't had athletes dropping dead because people are storming the court. For some reason, this this conversation has taken off and it makes no sense to me. There's no there's no reason to ban storming the court.
0: So one, didn't say ban, Storm in the court. Okay, two, sorry. Like excuse co- me
1: then. I was kind of going off. What did you say then?
0: I like- sound like a college kid who just enjoys drinking and running on the court. I sound like <laughs> a coach who's trying to make sure his players aren't hurt. So there's storming the court and two regional games this Thursday. And both times, the head coaches were livid that their players almost got hurt or potentially could have gotten significantly hurt. As a coach, it's our job to make sure that doesn't happen. And so the administration has to make sure that the players can leave in a timely manner and then storm the court. So just pause it by three seconds. That's it. That's all we're asking. I'm good with it. Okay. Storm the court, but make sure you're doing this, you're holding them back. And then now you can say, okay, go. That's it. That's all.
1: Fair. Okay. I'm glad glad, uh, you had the chance to, because I was completely caught off guard. Yes, I'm with that. Um, cause they're just, that's why I'm in terms of, you just have someone there, make sure you get the players, whoever, whoever it's coaches, you got some, and you know, people on the staff, whoever's helping out in the arena, just go and get, especially if you know, the game's over, just start having those guys get closer to whatever side of the tunnel it is. Um, and then you can, like you said, hold people back for a little bit and then you can let the students flood the court. I'm okay with that. If that's what you're saying.
0: Yeah. But what if it's a buzzer beater? What if it's something like that? Well then, so, life it,
1: that then life happens.
0: Then it's just like no, no. The administration needs to be ready. The administration needs to have the protocol in place with the security, because the arenas have security. Mm-hmm. We'll let you storm the court in three, two, one.
1: Yeah, I'm still that's good it. with that. I'm just saying um, that's a tough situation, dude. I hope you have a lot of security. Like that's just the tough. When you have those buzzer beater situations, you know that's where everything you are you're completely correct and you do everything you can to slow that down um but that's what i mean like life just happens like you try to slow the flow down enough and maybe you just get your security because you're probably not going to hold back everyone surrounding the entire walls but you get your guys around the players you need to get off the court and just do it that way
0: let's pretend this lighter is a, is a taser that's okay. the one way you can help make this happen you <laughs> just get a security guard with the taser goes. <laughs> The player's safety is the most important thing. If you are a program and you allow guests to come to your gym, you must make sure they're safe. It, it's uh, it's unacceptable as a coach.
1: Mm-hmm. It is unacceptable, but it's just, I don't want to live in this, this. You're right. I think we would have to go into a room and try to figure out, okay, what is the actual protocol? Because – I never want it to go away. It's part of what makes college sports just awesome. You're not going to see fans storm an NBA court, um, but in college it happens. Hey, I, hold
0: on. hold on. So, so why won't they do that? Why won't they storm an NBA court? What do you think would happen?
1: Because I got better security.
0: Okay, so that's one. That's <laughs> yeah. one. But two, what's the other reason? They're banned from NBA
1: games for life.
0: <laughs> and then three, here's the best one. What's the other reason?
1: Um, uh, okay, you probably want me to say player health and safety.
0: No, they'll get knocked the Oh, yeah. The- <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is also <laughs> true. They will absolutely because get knocked out. <laughs> a grown man does not care what a coach says or what an NBA says. If someone's running at them full speed, they're just going to knock them out.
1: <laughs> yeah, well said. But that being said, though, we do got to go ahead and throw it to our first break here. This is The Breeze. We got House Breezy streaming in. The host is always no DP today as he's getting ready for the Omaha Supernovas. They're on the road Versus the Orlando Valkyrie. So we'll have that pregame show you with Renee Saunders at one o'clock. But until then, it's me and Haas with the breeze all the way up until one o'clock. Don't go anywhere.